Hi, and welcome to Fido, an audio adventure into fantasy, folklore, and fairy tales. I'm John, your host, and thanks for dropping in. Here we have the last of the three stories that I recorded in collaboration with the Lunatics Radio Hour podcast. This was a really fun chance to work with Abby and Alan, and I look forward to doing more with them in the future. And I'm sure there will be more from the Pizza Rice Podcasting Collaborative very soon. Don't forget to check out the Lunatics Radio Hour. You can hear our collaborations here on my show, as well as over on theirs. And if you like to explore horror and spooky stuff, then you should give them a listen. And now, as published by Hans Christian Andersen in 1840, The Wicked Prince. The Wicked Prince by Hans Christian Andersen Once upon a time there was a proud and wicked prince who thought only about how he might conquer all the nations of the earth and make his name a terror to all mankind. He plunged forth with fire and sword, his soldiers trampled down the grain in the fields and put the torch to the peasant's cottage so that the red flames licked the very leaves from the trees and the fruit hung roasted from black and charred limbs. Many a poor mother caught up her naked baby and tried to hide behind the smoking walls, but the soldiers followed her, and if they found her and the child, they began their devilish pleasure. Evil spirits could do no worse, but the prince rejoiced in it all. Day by day his power increased— His name was feared by all, and fortune followed him in all his deeds. From the conquered cities he carried away gold and precious treasures, until he had amassed in his capital riches such as were unequaled in any other place. Then he built superb palaces and temples and arches, and whoever saw his magnificence said, What a great prince! Never did they think of the misery he had brought upon other lands. Never did they listen to the groans and lamentations from cities laid waste by fire. The prince gazed upon his gold, looked at his superb buildings, and thought, like the crowd, what a great prince. But I must have more, much more. There is no power that can equal, much less surpass mine. And so he warred with his neighbors until all were defeated. The conquered kings were chained to his chariot with chains of gold when he drove through the streets, and when he sat at the table they lay at the feet of the prince and his courtiers, eating such scraps as might be thrown to them. Now the prince had his own statue set up in the marketplaces and the palaces. Yes, he would even have set it in the churches, on the altars, but to this the priest said, "'Prince, you are great, but God is greater.' We dare not obey your orders. Well, said the evil prince, then I shall conquer God too. In the pride and folly of his heart, he had built a splendidly constructed ship in which he could sail through the air. It was as colorful as a peacock's tail and seemed decorated with a thousand eyes, but each eye was the barrel of a cannon. The prince could sit in the center of the ship, and upon his touching a certain button, a thousand bullets would stream forth, and the guns would at once be reloaded. 
Hundreds of strong eagles were harnessed to the ship, and so it flew away, up and up toward the sun. Far beneath lay the earth. At first its mountains and forests appeared like a plowed field, with a tuft of green peeping out here and there from the sod. Then it seemed like an unrolled map, and finally it was wholly hidden in mists and clouds, as the eagles flew higher and higher. Then God sent forth a single one of his countless angels, and immediately the prince let fly a thousand bullets at him, but they fell back like hail from the angel's shining wings. Then one drop of blood, just one, fell from one of the angel's white wing feathers onto the ship of the prince. There it burned itself into it, and its weight of a thousand hundred weights of lead hurled the ship back down with terrible speed to the earth. The mighty wings of the eagles were broken, the winds roared about the head of the prince, and the clouds, on every side, sprung from the smoke of burned cities, formed themselves into menacing shapes. Some were like mile-long crabs stretching out their huge claws toward him, others were like tumbling boulders or fire-breathing dragons. The prince lay half-dead in his ship, until it was finally caught in the tangled branches of a dense forest. I will conquer God, he said. I have sworn it. My will shall be done. Then for seven years he built other magnificent ships in which to sail through the air, and had lightning beams forged from the hardest of steels to batter down the battlements of heaven itself. From all the conquered countries he assembled vast armies which, when formed in battle array, covered mile after mile of ground. They embarked in the magnificent ships, but as the prince approached his own, God sent forth a swarm of gnats, just one little swarm, which buzzed about the prince and stung his face and hands. In rage he drew his sword, but he could only cut the empty air. He could not strike the gnats. Then he ordered that he be brought costly cloths, which were to be wrapped around him so that no gnat could reach him with its sting. His orders were carried out, but one little gnat had concealed itself in the innermost covering, and now it crept into the prince's ear and stung him. It smarted like fire, and the poison rushed into his brain. He tore the clothes loose and flung them far away from him, rent his garments into rags, and danced naked before the rugged and savage soldiers. Now they could only mock at the mad prince who had started out to conquer God, and had himself been conquered by a single little gnat. All right. Now, it's interesting to come from something like Rapunzel, where the morality and lessons are somewhat murky, to something like the Wicked Prince. The lessons and morals here, as I have come to recognize in Anderson's tales, are far from ambiguous. If you've listened to Hans Christian Andersen that I've done so far on the show, you'll know that this tale is similarly focused on a disparity between classes. The prince is clearly an unsavory person, and we're told about the terrible things he and his armies have done, but we also see that the general public seems to miss some of that truth, being blinded by the prince's lavish lifestyle, wealth, and public image. Anderson is the kind of author who is often unapologetically trying to say something. To me, it seems like he's telling us that not only is the prince awful, but 
people are also kind of awful, because they are willing to blindly look past that fact for a bit of ceremony and razzle-dazzle. This story is a bit heavier than the Nightingale, maybe, but the same principle is here. If you haven't heard that episode, it's way back in Season 1, so feel free to check it out. The next thing I'll mention is that the prince's insatiable quest for power eventually runs him afoul of the clergy, who are opposed to his placing statues in the churches. Clearly, we're seeing that lust for power leads you down a never-ending path, and Anderson sets the prince up against God himself. A quest to defeat God that ends, well, poorly for the wicked prince. I think it's obvious that Anderson is making a statement in favor of the church here, and against imperialistic power, in his own characteristic way. The idea that the nobility may be powerful, but they aren't above divine judgment or right and wrong, fits in with his philosophy. I couldn't find a whole lot of commentary on this story in particular. It's certainly not as widely discussed as his most famous tales, but it does fit in well with what we know of him. His opposition to the noble ruling class, his own struggle with poverty, and his inclination toward bold morality in his stories. I think, though, that my favorite takeaway from this story is a lesson that Tolkien was fond of, the idea that for all the might and power that someone may be able to muster, it's often the small, seemingly insignificant things that matter. This great prince and his army was brought down, ultimately, by a single gnat. Now, granted, the framing of the story was completely opposite in Lord of the Rings. We saw the story from the gnat's perspective, so to speak, but to me, it's the best lesson we can take from the wicked prince. Obviously, we shouldn't be power-mad, we should strive to be kind and do good, but the best lesson is that we should remember that the small things matter. And I don't say that because we want to avoid being dismantled by something small. I say that because we should never forget that we can make a difference to someone, however powerless we may feel. Well, that got pretty significant pretty fast, if you ask me. It's one of the things I'm coming to love about this show. Those kinds of deep truths can come right out of nowhere in these old stories. So. Why don't we leave it right there? It's not a bad place at all. I want to say thanks again to Abby and Alan at the Lunatics Radio Hour, and thanks to the rest of the Pizza Rice gang, and of course, all the listeners. In addition to the Lunatics Radio Hour, be sure to check out Bob's Short Story Hour, Hidden Oaks, and Jollyville Radio, wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks to everyone, fellow podcasters, listeners, patrons, and all. I look forward to so much more. Now, if you're enjoying Fido, then you should definitely subscribe on your podcast platform of choice so you don't miss an episode. You can also go to FidoPodcast.com and listen on any device. Make sure and share Fido with your friends and family if you like what you're hearing. Word of mouth is my best advertisement. Don't forget to leave me a comment or a question, and I might be able to read them on the air. I love hearing from my listeners. Don't miss the new store as well. T-shirts, sweatshirts, stickers, and even a Fado pint glass can all be yours. Look for the link on my website. You also don't want to miss out on the exclusive new Fedork fan t-shirt. 
You'll have to message me in order to get one because they're not on any website. So if you are a true Fedork, let me know. You can follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Fado Podcast, and if you would like to support the show more directly, you can become a patron. I'm on Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast. There is behind-the-scenes content, early access to upcoming episodes, merchandise discounts, and if you join, you'll get a personal handwritten thank you from me in the mail, as well as a Fado sticker. Also, you'll get a mention here on the show. That brings us to the end of Season 2, Episode 30. Watch for the next episode of Fido coming soon. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you once upon a next time. Fido is a member of the Pizza Rice Podcasting Collaborative. Check us out at pizzaricepodcast.com.